Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. We're in our Help Wanted series. Somebody say Help Wanted. Come on, say it again. Say Help Wanted. And last week we talked about lives devoted to the house of God. Say that with me. Lives devoted to the house of God. And and I was so blessed that I was sent the stats and so many of you jumped online and reviewed the message, played the message back because this is important for where we are going as a church for us to all be keyed in and locked in together. And we talked about, about the scripture in Psalms where it says, they, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And we're all about being planted and flourishing, amen? We are, we're all about being planted and flourishing. And last week, we ended it on this particular screen. If we can go to that screen real quick, because we talked about the four levels of involvement here in the local church. Do we have that? Here we go. So we talked about the big level where everyone kind of does is just the level of enjoyment. They come to church because they enjoy it. It's uplifting. And then you start the sphere begins to shrink as you go deeper in your level of involvement with the local church. The next level is a level of servanthood. And we talked about what servanthood is. And then, and then there's a level of generosity. And then there's that final level of willing to carry the load. I want to kind of piggyback or, or kind of use that just as a launch pad for what we're going to be dealing with today. Today I want to talk a little bit about Still within this Help Wanted series, but I want to talk about problem solvers. Say that with me. Say problem solvers. Now, this may be a little bit of a different uh, take for your normal Sunday morning message, but I have to capitalize on this captive audience that I have because if we are going to achieve what God wants us to achieve here in this church here in this community, here in this city. Let me tell you something, we all have to be in alignment together. I said we all have to be in alignment together. And so what we're gonna do here today is we're gonna talk about what it means to be a problem solver, a problem solver. When I was a kid, um, I used to love going to the grocery store with my dad. Um, because I love being the one that uh, would walk through the automatic doors because I, I just like being the one that would set the little sensor off and cause the doors to open up. Uh, I like the idea, watch this, I like the idea that it was my motion that activated an open door. I'll say that again. I said, I like the idea that my motion activated the doors to open. And it was at an early age that I discovered the motion sensor and how it operated. And I realized that if there was no movement, doors stayed closed. 
Uh, but when I begin to move in the area of the sensor, doors begin to open. See, I think the same rule applies to our spiritual giftings here in the local church. Because if you really want to see your gift activated, you've got to get moving. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. If you stay still and dormant, nothing is going to happen. But the move, but the moment you begin moving in the things of God and in his church, doors not only open, but chains will be loosed, sick bodies will be healed, blinded eyes will begin to be seen, deaf ears will hear, the lame will walk, and sinners will be converted unto Christ Jesus. Everywhere around us, listen to me good, everywhere around us, there are problems. This church is not perfect. No church is perfect. Everywhere you look, there are problems. Problems exist everywhere. But listen to me good. Problems are inevitable. In other words, they're going to happen. And the people who can solve problems usually are the people who end up leading. I said the people who can solve the problems are usually the people who end up being the leaders. Problems are inevitable. But what it is that we're looking for is I'm going to give you all this word, and I want you to keep this word and hide it in your heart. Say this word with me, competent. Say it again. Say competent. That's what it is that we are really going to be discussing today. Because I believe that God, he's looking and longing to use competent individuals. Competent. Competent means having suitable and sufficient skills, knowledge, and experience. In other words, you can not only do it, but you do it well. How many people know that there are some things that you can do and do very well. Come on, lift those hands. Let me see those hands. I mean, everybody has something. Well, whether it's mopping a flow, you know that nobody can mop a flow like you can mop a flow. Whether it's cooking like Joseph, you know that uh, uh, nobody can cook like you can cook. You may have a special dish. Anybody here got a special dish? Yeah, hot dogs. He said hot dogs. His special dish is hot dogs. I don't know. I don't know. There may be something special about hot dogs. I saw a, 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 a little tasty video about somebody who did a grilled cheese hot dog. And man, this thing looked amazing. I may have to try it one day. I don't know. Uh, but, 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 but whatever it is, you know that you can do it and that you can do it well. That's a competent individual. Problem solvers have a tendency to rise to the occasion. They have a tendency to rise to the occasion. 
And when we're looking for leaders, when we're looking for people, we're looking for that competent individual. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Here Paul is talking to Timothy, and watch what he says. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things, watch this, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Let me just stop right there. We talked about it a little bit last week. Is that, it, is that we have to expand in order to meet the demand. We have to grow. Growth has to be in our mindset. It has to be a part of who we are because we have to expand in order to meet the demand. We have to increase capacity. We have to do it. And then he begins to go on and say this, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In other words, what he's telling Timothy is, be loyal. Stick it out. Don't just bail and quit. Don't just run off when things get tough. Now watch this. When we're talking about problem solving, I think we have to identify that there are good ways to solve a problem, but there are also some not so good ways to solve problems. Let's talk about the negative ways of problem solving. Four negative approaches to problem solving. Number one is the lazy boy approach. The lazy boy approach. That approach simply says, I'll do nothing and hope it goes away. How many know some people like that? They just rather do nothing and hope this problem goes away. Let me tell you something. We don't need lazy boys in the church. We don't need lazy boys in the church. We need people that will be competent enough to see the problem, recognize what needs to be done, and then begin to do something about it. The second negative approach to problem solving is simply this, the shovel approach. Those people like to just hide it. They like to just hide it. Just, what you talking about? No, ain't nothing there. Mm, that's good. We good. You didn't see nothing. That's the shovel approach. That's a negative approach to problem solving. Can I give you number three? Somebody say number three. Number three is the eye mask and earplug approach. How many people know some people like that? Don't even look at the person next to you because that might be the person that you're talking about. That eye mask and earplug approach. It says that if I don't see evil and if I don't hear evil, then there must not be a problem. And then the fourth approach, negative approach to problem solving is the running shoes approach. <laughs> All they want to do is quit and run away. But I got to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that when you take on problems, you take on leadership. 
And I believe that God has given every one of us in this room the latent power to be a leader in some form or fashion in this place, whether it's in your home, in your community, in your church, on your job, in your family, whatever it is. I, I believe, th this is my belief, is that every last person has the dormant or the latent gift with on the inside of them to lead. Now, the question is, is what type of leader are you going to be? Because you're leading something. And you're leading someone. And you have to ask yourself, am I going to lead, am I going to approach leadership from, from the negative aspect? Or am I going to do it the way God has intended for us to do it? Turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to what it says. It says that he did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found, watch this, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding that I'm so excited about our high school graduates this morning because through 12 years, well, 13 if you include kindergarten, 14 if you include preschool. <laughs> Through all those years, they have endured and they have proven that they have a keen mind, that they have obtained knowledge and understanding. Watch this. And also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Then he says, call for Daniel. And he will tell you what the writing means. Can I just tell you something today? God has set you apart from the day that you were born to be like Daniel and solve difficult problems. I'm going to say it again. From the day that you were born, God has set you apart to be just like Daniel and solve difficult problems. Prob Let me say this to you. Problems don't exist without a problem solver. The reason why you were created is because there was a problem going on and God says, I, I need to make you so that you can solve it. I need to send you forth so that you can be the solver of that problem. You and I were born to bring solutions to the challenges that we are currently facing in our families, in our church, on the job, and in our world today. But here's the problem, is that a lot of us don't see ourselves as leaders. You have to see yourself as a leader doing what God has for you, and that is solving problems. You have to see yourself as a leader. You have to see yourself. Why? Because that's the way God sees you. That's the way God sees you. L let's flip over to the book of Galatians. Watch this. I'm going to show you something in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 1. 
Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. If you're with me, say amen. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. I'm going to read this from the Revised Standard Version. It says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and had called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with flesh and blood. In other words, what Paul is saying here, he says, the moment that I received revelation of who Jesus was and what God wanted me to do with my life, I didn't need to go and, 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 and check that in with somebody else. God himself began to tell you what it is that he's called you to do. And so what, and your responsibility is to respond positively and begin doing what God has told you to do. You can't consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way that you see yourself. Let me say that again. You cannot consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. How do you see yourself? If you constantly see yourself as beneath, not good enough, I don't have it together, I don't think I can do it, I don't think I can make it, then when God begins to call you to do great things, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to do great things because you don't see yourself in the manner of being someone who can actually do and accomplish great things. But listen, let me tell you something. When you recognize who you are and who you've been called to be in Christ Jesus, let me just tell you something. You can do all things through Christ that gives you the strength to do it. There is anything that you can't do when God empowers you to do it. When God himself puts his spirit on the inside of you and causes you to come alive in him and fulfill the very purpose and plan that he has for your life. You have to see yourself as a champion. You have to see yourself as a leader. You have to see yourself as one that can do all things through him that gives me the strength. But we must, we need to desire to be known, go to the next slide, as a problem solver and not a problem causer. We have to get to a place where we recognize and see ourselves and be known, be known as a problem solver and not a problem causer. So now, how do we make this happen? Every person in this room does something more than just come to church. Let me see anybody whose hand, let me see those hands of people that do something more than just come to church. Come on, every hand is up, every hand is up. Okay. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I possibly can because what I need you to understand is very powerful. Even though it's simple, it's very powerful. Everything that you do, 
you are exposed to something or a way of doing things that you can now make a contribution to enhance the body of Christ. Let's say it again. Everything that you do, you now become exposed to a way of operation that you can now come back and implement to bring about an enhancement within the body of Christ. There are some of you who, who are very skilled in your profession and, and you've never even given thought to how what it is that you do on your nine to five that can help the local church meet and, 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 and continue to operate in the mission of reaching sinners, raising believers, and releasing leaders. But there is. <laughs> there is. You have to begin thinking, what is it that I do that can cause the mission of Jesus Christ to be advanced for the kingdom of God? Maybe you write grants. Let me share a testimony. Sister Sarah Johnson, she's back in the back. Dr. Sarah Johnson, wave your hand. Wave your hand. Matter of fact, come on down here real quick. Come on down here real quick. I know, I know, I know. Come on. She's one of our deacons here at the church. Come on, give her a hand as she comes. Even on Sunday morning, she's working. She's, I mean, she's done so much behind the scenes. But let me just make this announcement. This is the first time that we're even going public with this. Uh, so our church and our 501c3 um, was recently awarded a 80, I, and here's the check to prove it, a $78,000 grant. Now, what you guys may not know is Sarah is a licensed physician. She's a doctor. And she came into this church trying to figure out ways that she can allow what it is that she does on a daily basis to impact the local church. So she wrote for this grant, applied for it, and tell them what it is that you envision for the local church. Okay, so this is the foundation. So there's two major arms. So the first arm is for our seniors. That's where we're starting. And we're starting in the congregation, but it is going to be a community wellness center. So it's the foundation for a community wellness center. So the first arm is for seniors. 
So we're going to do individual one-on-one -on -one consultations to go over your whole health history, the medications you're on, you understand what your conditions are, is someone taking care of your preventative health? It's just to get all those answers that you may not have gotten from your doctor, just so you know fully what's going on in your body and how to better take care of it. The other arm is sort of like the Fit for Fusion that we did a couple years ago. So we'll have an exercise, health, and disease education sort of preventative arm. Um, and then the first arm is going to build to a geriatric center in future. That's the vision for that. And then this is going to build up, like it'll take advantage of the HPCK Kids Fitness. So we just want this whole health prevention, disease um, modifying kind of program because we have got to look at our health. This community, the black community on whole, Highland Park, high, I'm taking too long, sorry. High blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, mental illness. We want to put God in the center of all that. So here's a place that we're starting out to that foundation where you come and you get the healing power of Christ in all aspects of your life and health. Can we give God some praise? Listen. When Sarah came to me Months, months ago, actually years ago, years ago, and she began talking about what it is that she wanted to do and that she didn't want to just be a lone wolf. And she asked, can this be rolled up under the church? I said, well, let's make sure that it matches with the mission and the vision of our church and what it is that we're looking to do. Once we took it through that entire cycle, and we figured out, yeah, this is a direct correlation. It certainly matches because God wants us to take over this city for Jesus Christ. And we have a population here in Highland Park that's comprised of, I think the number was somewhere around 68% senior citizens. I mean, it's a high percentile of seniors that live in this community. Uh, well, it may have changed since the last, well, that was numbers from the last census in 2010. So here we are in 2017. So it probably has shifted a little bit. But let me just tell you something. We're aiming to meet the needs of this community. And so here is someone who has said, I want to take what it is that I do on, on my nine to five, and I want to see how we can make it happen for the church and ultimately touch lives for Jesus Christ. So earlier we talked about the four negative approaches to problem solving. Let me give you five positive approaches and then we're gonna be done. Five positive approaches to problem solving. Because I believe that not only Sarah Johnson, but I think that there are also others in this place that are willing to say, man, how can I look introspectively to what it is that I'm doing and how can I cause my life and what I do to be a benefit for that's bigger than myself, bigger than what it is that I can do by myself, but I wanna do something that's gonna impact the people of God, impact this world for Jesus Christ. And as you are sitting here listening today, ask the Lord to open your heart so he can begin to show you ways, show you ways that, that you can help and contribute to building his kingdom. 
five positive approaches to problem solving. Can I get y'all to say number one? Number one is simply this. Find the bare bones. Find the bare bones. This is, this is important because what this does is this pretty much takes that old um, acronym of KISS, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, I mean, just like really dumb it down. You have to look at and look at and find the bare bones. Because a lot of times we take on big projects and what happens? The first thing that happens is we become very overwhelmed. L let me give you my, my approach, especially because I do a lot of project management for my corporate job. When you're feeling overwhelmed, take your complex, overwhelming task Break it down into very small, manageable parts, and then start on the very first one. That's what you got to do. It's very, very simple. There's a biblical application to this. Go to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 6, verses 37 through 39, and it's really the story of Jesus and the disciples feeding the 5,000. That's a big task. How many know? How many, how many caterers or people that, or you do catering, maybe you're not a caterer, but you like to cook for a lot of folk. If you like to cook for a lot of people, just raise your hand. There, there you go. How many know that cooking for 5,000 people or preparing food for 5,000 people, that would be a pretty daunting task, to say the least. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 6, 37 through 39. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Read from the NIV translation. But he answered, Jesus, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half of a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five fish and two loaves. I'm sorry, five loaves and two fish. Verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Very interesting passage of scripture there. First of all, the thing that you got to really understand is anytime you have a great task to do, there's always going to be someone with their logic, rational thinking <laughs> that's going to try to discourage you from doing the very thing that God has called you to do. Here, Jesus is telling them, listen, get them something to eat. The disciples are looking around, very analytical. Probably with Judas, he says, Lord, if we do all that, because, you know, he was the one who kept the money. He was the treasurer of the group. If we do all that, it's going to take a, more than a half a year's wages in order for us to accomplish that. And then he says, do you really want us to spend that much money to feed people? Do you really want us to take that much money to meet a need? <laughs> Do you really want us to take that much money to do something that's only going to last 
just this one time? Jesus said, what do you have? <laughs> and I believe that's what he's asking in this house today. What do you have? I think one of the most important things that we got to extract from this is you have to know what you have to work with. It's important, listen to me good, that we take inventory of what we have in the house. We have to take inventory of what we have in the house. Because everything we need to meet the demand, it's in the house. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me today. And then we must understand that we are capable of meeting any and every need or we are capable, let me put it like this, of solving any problem with God's help. As long as you have God on your side helping you, you can solve any problem. Whether you have the education to do it or not, can I tell you, God will help you do it. God will help you solve that problem. God will help you get that answer. But you have to enlist the help of the Lord. Not only do we need to find the bare bones, but number two is, you got to recognize, do you call 911 or 411? Positive approach to problem solving. Do I dial 411 or do I dial 911? Some of y'all don't know what those numbers mean. Do I dial emergency or do I dial information? Because a lot of times we are calling the right people at the wrong time. And if we want to rise up and raise up and be the leaders that God has called us to be, you have to understand and, and, and take a moment to assess the situation. Is this an emergency or do I just need to gather more information? Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. See, there is someone to help. But the bigger thing is you have to know who to call and when to call. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, there is this leadership temptation to think, watch this, that you are the only one who has traveled the bumpy road that you're on. How many people have ever felt like that? Like, well, what I'm going through, ain't, I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. Ain't no, nobody going through this right now. But here's the solution. 
is that you have to remember that others have survived the same situation before you. And someone probably has the answer to give you. But it requires you to open up your mouth and say what it is that you need help with. See, being a problem solver doesn't mean you have all the answers. Being a problem solver means that you have the drive to find the solutions. I'm teaching better than y'all saying amen, but that's all right. Because we have to understand this as a collective corporate unit if we want to really move to the place where God wants us to be. Because in order for us, because when we get there, it's going to require all of us to operate in the same manner and fashion. It can't just be the same four people doing everything in the church. We are killing this idea of us for it no more. No, no longer that. It's either we all do this together or we're going to be here for the next 25 years. And God forbid that we are in the same place. in year 2040 than we are in year 2017. That's not going to happen. Look at somebody and say, that's not going to happen. Listen, whatever this church is, is because of you. And whatever this church is not, is because of you. So you can choose to get mad, leave, and be upset because, well, because they ain't doing this. Well, how come you don't start it? Because whatever it is that we want to be, listen, we have an opportunity to take over a city. We have an opportunity to win a city for Jesus Christ. So look at this city and say, what does this city need and how can we impact it for Jesus Christ? I applaud each and every one of you who contributed to the book drive and who came out here yesterday and helped plant the first library because the city of Highland Park didn't have a library, but today it has one. So what if we only have 25 books in there? We have a library. And we're going to keep building on it. And it's going to keep growing. And if you want a library in front of your house, come and see me. If you live here in the city of Highland Park, you can steward your own library. And we'll help you and we'll, we'll support you in that endeavor because guess what? That just might be a tool for someone to come to know who Jesus is just by the fact that you got a little library in front of your house. Let me go back to my next point. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go back to something we talked about a couple weeks ago. Remember we talked about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10? It says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Find the bare bones. Is it 911 or is it 411? 
Number three, somebody say number three. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Because see, leaders sometimes forget to distinguish between their authority and their competency. Authority does not equal competency. Every leader has authority over different arenas in which they have a little or possibly no competence in. The problem is, is that when we exert our authority in an area where we lack competency, we have the potential, watch this, to derail a project and demotivate those who have the competencies that we lack. And you do not need to be an expert in every area over which you exercise authority. Case in point, I'm the pastor of this church, which according to our structure, literally makes me the leader over every sub-ministry within this church. Every functioning operation, everything that goes on, I have the authority over everything. But if I try to go and exert my authority, just because I have the authority to do it, if I try to go back in the back sound booth and exert my authority and say, Don, get up, I'm running the webcam today, or I'm running the live stream today, or if I say, Matthew, get up, I'm, I'm doing the sound today, I'm going, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it myself because I have the authority. Even though I don't have the competency or, or, or I'm not competent enough to do it, guess what I will now do? I would derail the project and I would demotivate them from even wanting to continue to serve and to help in that regard. Because they are the ones that know how to do it. I just have the authority because of the seat that I sit in. But they have the competency enough to run it how it needs to be ran. So just because you may have the authority doesn't mean that you know all there is to know about that area that you have the authority over. The, the power or the influence of leadership is to bring others around you that know how to make that stuff happen and allow them to flourish and thrive and be released as a leader themselves. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. But I need you all to understand this concept. I was talking with a local pastor the other day. And they were telling me how they driven by the church. And they were just saying, man, I'm so proud of you. Drove by the church, the church looks awesome. I love the, and I mean, he started noticing all the details. I see you got the building painted. It looks good. I see you got fresh mulch there on the landscaping and the grass is kept tidy. He says, my eyes went to those flower pots and I saw flowers in the flower pots. Can I tell y'all something? People are watching. Everything that you do, people got their eye on. 
Everything that we do, people have their eyes on. And they're looking. I said, man, you really, you really took inventory. <laughs> but people pay attention to detail. And they also notice when it wasn't. Find the bare bones. Is it 911 or 411? And then get out of the way. Number four, and I'm almost done. Number four is simply pay the price. <laughs> pay the price. Mark chapter 5, verse 11 through 17. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for your hearing. Mark chapter 5, verse 11 through 17. It simply says, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure, impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending to the pigs ran off. And they reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see just what had happened. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, dressed, in, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. I think that was interesting that they had to put that in there. They told the people about what had just happened and they told them about the pigs as well. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Here's one of the things that you gotta understand is that most people, most times we want our problems solved but our, but our pigs saved. We don't want to pay the price. Most times we want our problems solved, but save our pigs. We want the solution, but we don't want to pay the cost. Problems, watch this, problems will hide out whenever we let them hide out. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? No matter what it may cost you, are you willing to pay the price? If you don't make a, a total commitment to whatever it is that you're doing, then you start looking to bail out on the first time that the boat starts leaking. It's hard enough getting to the, getting the boat to shore with everybody rowing in the same direction, let alone when somebody stands up and starts putting on a life jacket. We gotta have a commitment. We gotta be willing to pay the price. The example is simply David and Goliath. David was unwilling to let the problem go. And David had to risk 
something in order to knock the giant down. And what do you think he was willing to risk? His life. His life. Find the bare bones. 911 versus 411. Get out of the way. Talking about the, the positive approaches to problem solving. And then pay the price. And then finally, this last one, and then we're through. You got to tear holes in the roof. Tear holes in the roof. In other words, whatever it takes to solve the problem, I got to be thinking about how creative can I be to solve this problem? They say that the definition of insanity, you all probably know it better than I do, is simply doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I think it was Albert Einstein that said it. They said that's, that's, that, that's the definition of insanity. Mark chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it reads like this. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some came, some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get to him I'm sorry, so they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat that the man was lying on. See, there was this man, he, I think his name was Howard Hendricks. And most of us have heard the, whole, the old adage that said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him. And he said, yes, you can feed him salt. In other words, you have to start thinking about these problems a little differently in order to get different results. If you want to start getting different results, you got to approach things differently. If the only tool that you have in your, in your hand is a hammer, then you're going to look at every problem as a nail but you have to look at things differently. Somebody say, look at things differently. Here's where we are. You have to anticipate problems because when you anticipate, you begin to assimilate how you react to those problems. And you gotta understand that your leadership value is determined by how effective and efficient you're able to solve problems. Let me say this, everyone stand to your feet. I'm done. I, I really felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to take time this month to really spell out what it is that we need. Because it isn't a specific thing. And here's the reason why because I don't know the full totality of what it is that we need. 
And here's the reason why, because it's not my church. It's his church. <laughs> and he has placed in his church members, you and I, according to what the need is so that we can fulfill what it is that he has called each and every one of us individually to do. That's the reason why I'm not making, this month isn't about a big appeal to come down to the altar and say, and take a card off of a board and this is what I'm gonna sign up to do. And for some of us, maybe that's what you need. And that's fine because a lot of times we don't necessarily know what it is that God has called us to do or how it is that, what it is that he wants us to do. And so we need some direction to kind of just get the pedals turning. And once you kind of start doing something, then you begin to say, oh, I really like this. And then you can delve off into there. That, that's one thing. That's fine. But I think that there are enough people who have been a part of the body of Christ long enough to know and to understand something very specific, that God has given you a very specific task to do, and that he has placed you here in this local assembly for a very specific reason, and that it's time for you to begin figuring out ways for you to begin doing what it is that God has called you to do to help advance the mission and the vision of this local church. It's time for you, for you to move from that level of enjoyment. Oh, I, I love coming to revival. I love RT. Ooh, that RT is, that, that's my thing. The worship, ooh, the worship uh, is great. But you got to move to that next level, servanthood. Next level, generosity. Next level, carrying the load. This is so important. This is so vital. This is mission critical to where we're headed because I believe that God has a great work for us to do. And it's going to pay off huge dividends for us. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking financially. There's nothing to do with financial. I'm talking about a reaping of souls into his kingdom. Based on what you can do, maybe your talent is administrative and you know how to organize offices. We need help in that area. Get in here and do it. Now, we're not going to let you just have at it. <laughs> we're not that loose goose. We got some structure, but you can help us put some further organization and structure within what it is that we already have. We can only get so far by ourselves. We need you. Am I talking to anybody in this place? Repeat to me, say, we can do this together. Come on, say it again. Say, we can do this together. Come on, lift those hands right where you stand. Father God, I thank you. Thank you because it is you who have made us and not we ourselves. We recognize today that we are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. 
And we were created for good works as you deem necessary and as you direct. So Father, I pray every person in this place under the sound of my voice, whether they're here or whether they're listening to me by podcast or by live stream, God, that we would recognize what it is that you have called us to do to help advance your kingdom and advance the mission of the local church. God, we hear the clarion call. We know that help is wanted. And today, we avail ourselves to be used by you. community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.